One year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads, to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big plans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down top. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Great to be here. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you as always. And the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cotts Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Cotts Bros is the place to get your trapping supplies. They have baits, lures, books, DVDs, and everything you need to get started trapping. So thanks for those of you who have ordered from Cotts Bros and continue to do so. And thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast. We're also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is an auction house led and uh, run by trappers for trappers. And these guys work hard to get your fur in front of as many buyers as possible and find the highest price possible for your fur. You can find more from them at furharvesters.com. We are getting near to the last receiving date. We're a little over a month away. Uh, January 19th is the last receiving date for the March auction. So if you want to get some fur there, uh, get going to furharvesters.com and figure out where you can send fur um, to to get it up there for the auction. So, uh, yeah, things are moving right along. We're in the middle of fur season most places in the country, and that is good. Uh, it's good to hear, good to see people catching fur and hear from people got a bunch of uh emails and and things and people contacting me about different things so it's great to hear from you guys as always jrodwood at gmail.com j-r-o-d-w-o-o-d at gmail.com is my contact information if you have questions comments whatever and if you want to uh, just give me an update on your season how are things going what are your challenges what have you learned uh, what have you, uh, you know, what kind of successes have you had? Um, and, and some pictures. That's just awesome. I love seeing that. And, and sometimes I, I do need to start sharing some of those pictures on the website. I haven't, uh, I get a bunch of pictures from guys that I, I haven't done anything with, but it'd be kind of nice to, to just kind of share those. So just uh, want to rattle some, some guys off, give a little shout out uh, to different people I've been hearing from lately. Caleb from Wyoming. Uh, awesome pictures and update on his trap line. Tim from New Hampshire got a nice bobcat. He had pictures of uh, Jr. First otter. That was great to uh, to see. 
Um, had an email from Colton. Had some questions about uh, some different setups and and uh, ideas and suggestions. Uh, I emailed him back and uh, gave gave some some thoughts that I had, um, and I probably will share that in a future episode, probably next week's episode, if I go through some of these. Tom from Idaho talking about Martin trapping, setting up a Martin line for the first time. So uh, we we had an email exchange there. I'd I'd love to share some of that as well. Um, Clint, uh, I can't remember what Clint was writing about. Sorry, Clint. I'll remember it. (laughs) I have Clint written down here. I have Joey. Uh, Josh, uh, Je- there's another Jeremiah Wood who's a trapper <laughs> who emailed me. So uh, go figure, isn't that crazy? Um, there is another. I know there. There's got to be a few other Jeremiah Woods in the country, no doubt. But to have one as a trapper, that's pretty amazing. So uh, we emailed back and forth a little bit. He was uh, he was just getting going on some coyote trapping and stuff. Um, some older emails that I I uh, haven't really talked about on the podcast, but guys, great to hear from these same guys. Uh, Justin over in New Mexico, Wes in Kentucky, Greg in Maine, Vince from Washington, Brandon from Wisconsin, uh, Eric from Idaho, uh, Kristen, I think, North Carolina. So yeah, great to hear from all you guys and keep in touch. It's always good. Uh, to to figure out what's going on with people, I do have uh, one guy that I that I heard from on email, and we went back and forth. Uh, actually, a couple that um uh, one one guy I'm trying to get get for an interview. We haven't worked it out yet, and another guy uh, that we did an interview, and you'll you'll hear that tonight. So I wanted to get a few interviews just from discussions with guys who are just you know average trappers that um, are you know it's great to hear from the trappers who are very accomplished and very experienced and profession at a professional level because you can learn a lot from those guys and they're always interesting it's also great to hear from the famous people like Stan Zaray who you you know saw on TV um, and and then get to kind of hear hear from them from a trapping perspective that's always good but then I think it's good to hear from people who are just like maybe you and me um, you know they they may not be all pro trappers they may be just getting back into it, and they're learning as they go, and, and it's uh, it's good to get that perspective from, from people. So um, tonight's episode will be an interview. I do have one request before we get into the interview. Um, there Of the oh, 1,000 to 1,500 people that are listening to this, is it possible that there's one or two of you that has uh, experience with uh, really geeky computer nerd stuff. Um, if there is, I want to hear from you, jrodwood at gmail.com. I have a thought, I have an idea. I, I come up with crazy ideas sometimes, but I have an idea that I think if it worked, it could potentially revolutionize the way that we communicate with each other as trappers. So I kind of wanted to run it by somebody who has experience with like web development, uh, creating apps, creating, you know, writing code, that sort of thing. And obviously most of those people are not trappers. They live in uh, Silicon Valley uh, or <laughs> New York City. Um, they work uh, They work for companies like Google and Apple. So not a lot of trappers in that uh, arena, but... If there is one listening, 
uh, or ha someone who has an idea that kind of stuff, uh, shoot me an email. I I want to hear from you. Just I just want to bounce something off you to see if it has been done before and if it could be done. I think it would be. I don't know. Just in this beginning stage, I think it'd be awesome. But maybe next week I'll decide it was crazy. So anyway, um, thanks for tuning in. With that, uh, we're gonna get in the interview. Check out my book, Fur Profit: Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. If you haven't already, I would appreciate that. Get that as a gift for the holidays, for the trapper in your life, or get it for yourself, or tell your wife or significant other to buy it for you. That'd be great. Um, and if you need some long-distance call lure, check me out as well, trappingtoday.com. So thanks, and we'll get into the interview. Let's do it. Mike, from calling from Wyoming, but you're not originally from Wyoming. Uh, you, how's the trapping going out there? Um, well, the trapping's kind of trapping's kind of hit or miss. I think the trapper is not having the best luck this year because of his um, own ineptability, but. But, um, no, we're having a great time. We're having a fun time doing it, for sure. That's awesome. Well, um, anyway, uh, you have an interesting background, and it's something that I think a lot of people who listen in uh, have kind of a similar situation where they kind of were exposed to trapping back in those fur boom days and then kind of got away from it. And maybe later on, a different part of their life, they start to gravitate back towards trapping. So, uh, you want to let us know kind of a little bit of your background and how you first got exposed to trapping? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I got into trapping. I was I was probably uh, like a first or second grader. I can't remember exactly what year in the mid '80s. And my brother, um, my brother started trapping for money. Um, kind of just um, the Pesca fur buyer come to town once a week. Um, we I grew up in kind of central Nebraska and the pest buyer come in once a week and, and he figured out that, um, he could make a decent little bit of money trapping and selling to the fur buyer. And then I was just, um, my mom always worked and, and dad was out of town working all the time. So I spent all my time with my brother and I was just a tag along. And, um, and so I, that's, I just, I got into it. It was just fun as a kid, you know, running around with my brother, carrying muskrats and traps and stuff for him. And, and, um, I didn't, you know, one thing I thought, I thought I learned a lot about trapping when I was young, but I didn't, um, I didn't pick up on all the, you know, on all the little things that you need to know. I just knew that, you know, there's a muskrat trap, there's a bunch of muskrat around here and it seemed like we'd catch coon everywhere and, and stuff like that. But, um, what I really remember, I, I, the, the fun of it, it was just fun and it was an adventure when I was that, when I was that young. Yeah. And then, uh. And then, you know, when my brother, when my brother left, he was probably, I think he's 10 or 11 years older than me. So when he graduated high school and moved out, then I kind of lost my, lost my trapping buddy. And, uh, and so I got out of it, you know, and, and when I got into high school, I lived in a different town and kind of Nebraska. And when I got into high school, pricing, you know, fur prices weren't that great, but I would trap, I'd trap around the farm just the chickens and stuff like that and then and then uh we did a lot of we did a lot of coon hunting and i just kind of coon trapping was pretty easy it was always pretty easy for me so i did a lot of coon trapping when i was in high school and so was that around the fir first time when you actually were were out setting traps by yourself as opposed yeah to just yeah them? i was i was yeah i was 15 16 years old and i i picked up a couple couple dozen 
you know, Northwoods, one and a half Northwoods from somebody. And I, you know, I pretty much thought I was the greatest, you know, the greatest <laughs> trapper in the world. I had two dozen traps and, and a pickup and I, you couldn't stop oh, me. Oh man, that's a good um, age. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was, I was, I was awesome at it, you know, and I didn't have any clue. I didn't have any clue. And I, and that's kind of, that's kind of when I started, um, I, I kind of tinker around. I don't, I'm not one to just set, and do things in an exact certain way and follow the textbook way of doing things. I'll have a tendency to just be like, Hey, you know, they really like uh, yellow gummy bears. So they're <laughs> I'm using yellow gummy bears for bait today type of type of guy. But that was, it's kind of the adventure part of it. And, you know, when I was, it was, it was kind of, you know, trapping was, was fun in high school, but it was a chore because I, I wrestled. I always, I always played football and wrestled. I was always really into athletics. And so wrestling season is right in the middle of trapping season. And, yeah. and so it really cut into my trapping time. So I didn't get out and do as much of it as I thought, you know, looking back now, I'd be like, why weren't you out doing it, you know, 50 hours a week? But, um, but it was, you know, it was free for me back then. I didn't make, you know, and I, I think that was in the late nineties and fur prices weren't much anything, you know, I think we were getting two or three dollars on the carcass and that was good as long as it paid for ammo, I guess. Right. And then, you know, once graduate, once college or, you know, once high school got over with you, you go, went off to college for a while and then started working and you just completely got away, you know, got away from almost got away from hunting altogether as well. But yeah, life kind years of gets, later, finds a way of getting in the way of that and, Especially when yeah, yeah, there's no and, economic and being, incentive for it, and then there's also kind of, there, there's no extra time to uh, to to fit it in. Trapping things like trapping and hunting have a tendency to just kind of slide away. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm and I'm in the like in the fiber optic telecommunications business, and that's a, that's travel and business. So in the late '90s and early 2000s, it was when the fiber boom was going on and the internet boom was going on. So we were out, you know, we'd be in Dallas one day and two days later we'd be working in St. Louis and a month later we'd be in Pittsburgh and that was just kind of, it was impossible to hunt, fish, or trap Yeah. With, when all that, with all that going on. But, you know, it was having a good career and making a, you know, making a life of it and doing that and, and that, you know, that probably went on for 10 or 15 years and I just got away from about everything and then I um, picked up a job out in Ohio and, and ran into my wife and, um, who's sitting next to me. She's always next to me. Um, <laughs> and but no, I, it's, and it just kind of life just changed. It took me about 10 minutes to, took me about 10 minutes to want to change too. Cause the road life kind of get it gets old and sure. And so I settled down, settled down in Ohio and I was sitting down Why with a, with a, well, it's just, it's, it's where I met my wife. I just, I was working there and I met my wife and she was from there and that's just, all right, this is home now. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, it was pretty simple for me, really. I, I'm not really attached to any state or town or home or I claim Nebraska because I was born there and I graduated high school there, I guess. But, um, so I was living in Ohio there and I was sitting down talking to some friends one day and, um, at the gym and, and he, and he had some, he had three or four sons that were, and he was talking about trapping. And I'm like, well, you're the first person I've heard talk trapping in 15 years. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, we're getting $20 a coon right now. And this was like 2012, maybe yeah, 2013. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, you're getting $20 a coon. Like I'm four. 
<laughs> and and he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, we're getting twenty dollars tuna. And I'm like, well, that's it, done deal, trapping. So we, I, I think I had, I had like a two twenty and two number ones in the barn, and I kept them around just to keep the chicken safe. If we'd get something getting into the chicken coop or something, you know, I could set it and yep, and protect the animals. So I'm like, all right, I'm setting traps. So I went out and went out and set a two twenty on a bucket set, just how I'd known to do it for twenty years, and, and caught. Probably the first night or two, I caught a nice, nice big three x four x coon. Took it to the local buyer there that everybody was telling me about, and and he's like, yeah, and, and I I got I got twenty four dollars for that coon. I couldn't believe it wow. on the carcass. It's the best price I'd ever ever got for an on the carcass animal. And he looked at me. He's like, how'd you catch this? And I'm like, well, I caught it with a two twenty in a bucket set. And he's like, you know that's an illegal set, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I guess I need to brush up on the rules. And he's like, yeah, he goes, a lot of things have changed. And, you know, and, and he kind of knew my story. Yeah. Hold on one second here. We're having an issue with a coat and a sleeve in the car. There we go. It's about 700 degrees in this car here, and I had to ditch a coat. <laughs> but he was, a, he was a good guy. He was, he was an old-school buyer, and he, he bought big large scale you know and so he always laughed at me because i'd bring him one animal and but i didn't i only had three traps and so i took that that 24 bucks that i got from him and i went out and bought some snares and i'm and like you wrote, all right I'm you, got be, the law, you got a copy of the law book while you were there probably yeah no absolutely <laughs> I, I was flabbergasted i never knew and, and i felt and and I kind of felt bad because in my in my older years here, I tried to be a little bit more responsible, and I tell my you know I, I take my kids out and you know try to teach them how to do things the right way, not the way that I necessarily done them when I was younger, but the right way. And I felt pretty I I kind of felt pretty bad about that. So I so I'm like, all right, there's two there's two weeks left in that season. I'm gonna I'm gonna snare. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a master snareman. I'm just gonna be the greatest person setting snares in the world. So I went out and bought a dozen snares and had them set up on our property there. We had 15 or 16 acres and had them set up on the property. And I knew there was a fox around there. And then I discovered that I, I didn't. No, okay. no, not at all. It's the first time I ever bought one. Um, but I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty confident in myself. I don't really always have the ability, but I'm pretty confident in myself. So I'm going to snare this fox that I know is back there and, and for the next probably, well, it's two weeks left of the season. For the next two weeks, he that that fox just completely embarrassed me. <laughs> and uh, and that's when that's kind of when I found TrapperMan.com. I spent I I was doing a lot of learning on there, trying to figure out how to set snares and stuff. And and um, I started messaging back and forth with Andy Weiser. And uh, and he kind of he he kind of I, I showed him some pictures of my sets, and he kind of told me the what I was doing wrong and what I was doing right. And the, the fox just kept coming up and setting all my snares off and just bumping them off the okay. the rest. And it was just driving me crazy. Like he knew exactly where every snare that I had was. <laughs> and he just did it on purpose. Every single day I could watch his tracks in the snow. And so Andy's like, well, he's, you know, he's keen on you. So you gotta, you gotta be tricky, you know? And, and so the very last day, the very last day of trapping season, I, I caught that fox in a snare, and I was as proud as a peacock. I think you know, just strutting around as the 
greatest thing in the world. And uh, so then I was hooked. That was that was kind of I'd always trapped before and enjoyed it and had a lot of fun. But when I when I caught that fox and I was hooked, dead line and sinker. That was when I was I was I was going to do it for I, I thought for the rest of my life, you know. And, and you had an entire off next, season to to get excited to to get into r- it, right? Well, yeah, and that entire that's expensive too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to be that excited on the last day of trapping yep. season is it's pretty expensive. <laughs> um, but so, and then like I said, my wife's always by my side, and family's always by my side. You know, so my so my wife we caught this I caught this fox, and she got kind of you know she thought that was pretty cool, and then and then my mother in law she's she's outdoorsy as well, and she got really involved in it, and so kind of the three of us teamed up that off season and and. Um, like, well, we got a lot of learning to do. I'd like to learn to put up furs. I've never done it before. I've always sold on the carcass, but I'd like to learn to put up furs. And and I'd like to get into a little bit more trapping besides just coon, because before that, I'd always trap coon or beaver. You know, I've, beavers was always pretty easy for me to trap. Yeah. Farmer have a beaver dam they want taken care of and go out there and trap it for them, and it was fun. So we start, we get on YouTube, and we're watching videos on putting up furs, and my wife, she's, She's convinced that she's gonna, you know, we're gonna trap and she's gonna she's gonna do all the fur put up, which I think I have. Nice. Like that's the dream. That is the dream. dream for about, sure. <laughs> you know, the I mean, and, and it's and it's amazing, and it kind of creates this relationship that yeah. that you know this it's a separate relationship, but it was so I mean it was so fun, and and we trapped the heck out of them that year. I think you know we got just a little over. Yeah, like 60 or 70 coon that we got that year and, and you know, just random. And, and, and I always trap just really random. I don't really get a target species. I, I get, if I'm coon trapping, I get skunks and I get possums and I get squirrels and I get everything under the sun. And if I'm coyote trapping, I get everything but coyote. Yeah, sure. That's just a, <laughs> that's, that's just a guarantee. But, um, so but we, we you- really got to see we really got to see how it drew everybody, you know, together when we were doing it as a team, instead of just doing it by yourself. It was pretty good. Yeah. And did you, when you, you ran a much bigger line, obviously, um, to, to pick up those numbers of coon and you had to branch out at, did you have, uh, what was the process like as far as finding areas to trap? Yeah, we had, um, so we just kind of lived in a small community in Ohio, north of kind of north of Columbus, it's the town of Mount Gilead. And there's a lot of local farmers right there that were just like, Hey, yeah, come on. You can, you know, you can trap. And, and we had a neighbor that had quite a bit of land that, that, um, quite a bit of land and, and we had a lot of waterways I'm really used to trapping waterways. So yeah. we got to move, we got to move our trap line two or three times that season. And, 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 um, and just, and kind of hit it that way. And that was, that was kind of new for me because I'd always just trapped one area sure. before, you know, and I'd kind of trap it for, for however long I was trapping, but I never really trapped for a whole season before. That was really the first time that I kind of trapped for a whole season and worked. And that's kind of the, the other caveat is to figure out how to <laughs> incorporate a trapping habit with work where you got a 24 hour check. Yeah. In Ohio, we had to, you know, we had 24 hour checks. So that makes it pretty complicated. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, That's the, and, and, been the number one response from people when I did that survey was, you know, what's your biggest challenge? It was, you know, time, finding ways to manage time, finding time to trap. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Because you think about it, you know, you think about it 24 hours a day, but you only get, you might get an hour. Yeah. And, and so what I find myself, and I still struggle with this, what I find myself doing is I think for a day about two traps that I'm going to set tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then I've got 15 minutes to set those two traps <laughs> because I'm running out of daylight. And then you're disappointed when you leave the set because you didn't, you know, you didn't set it the way that you wanted to because you were rushed or you didn't screwed up and and so then you just brain stew over it for another day or two and um but it's pretty inter <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting so the the next big change in the you know the big change so i got back into trapping and i got hooked in ohio there and and, and just loved coon trapping and i got into dog proof, you know that's when when i first got first even heard of a dog proof was then and i, mm -hmm. I you know i love the heck out of them now that's simple yeah um and then I, I get this harebrained scheme that I'm moving just for the family. We're going to move somewhere to the mountains. So we, we decide we're leaving Ohio and we move to Washington State. Oh, the, you did not side. pick a trapper-friendly state. <laughs> no, no. And so this is something that I learned that because I have no problem moving anywhere. It's pretty easy for me to just pick up and move. I don't, I don't mind it at all. But I didn't look into all the details right you know like so this is this hat this is this hobby that i recently just picked up and i really love and i'd move somewhere that's almost worse the only thing worse you could do is go to california right yeah um so Maybe i moved out there and i'm like yeah or yeah or massachusetts right right and so i so we moved out there in beautiful country and lived you know i lived uh right by mount st helens in a small town called toodle and i you know, i love the heck of it love the heck out of the area there so we move out there and I got all these traps and I, I just saved up enough money. And I, the, towards the end of the last trapping season in Ohio, I bought a dozen MB650 cast jaws and I was super proud of them. I loved them. I was, you know, I was going to get into coyote trapping and I had the greatest trap, you know, that they made, but they're worthless in Washington. And I needed, I was going to, I was going to cage trap and do that whole thing there. So I, I traded all my traps for some really nice Comstock Bobcat traps, really nice cage traps and, mm -hmm. and, um, traded all of my traps. I'll kind of state that again. <laughs> horrible idea. Um, horrible idea, but I traded them all and I, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was going to be a cage trapper and, and, and then I encounter work my new job that i got i was working 70 hours a week and it didn't matter what time of season it was and and then so so trapping was at night and it was cage trapping and we were even trying to do it close to the house there and it just wasn't fun um yeah in the winter time in washington it kind of rains almost every day especially yeah, and, western washington yeah and it it, it just wasn't fun um, I really, that really bothered me more than anything was it's a hobby that I absolutely love. That's not fun. Yeah. And so it just kind of sours you. So I kept the traps, got out of trapping for probably the next three years. Right. I sat there and just stared at them traps and then cages that were probably taking up a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. No. And they're really, yeah. And I tell you what, the, the guys that do hardcore cage trapping in Washington, they they really got it. I mean, they they, they really got the passion oh, because absolutely. it's a lot of work. Absolutely, you've got to really work, love you know? trapping to to go through that for sure. Yeah, 
you know, I had them Comstock nesting, nesting traps, and you get like a rucksack frame, and you take four of them, and you just attach it to that rucksack frame. You're like, all right, I'm going to ruck these traps, and hey, you got to be, you know, that's that's a chore. It's not just walking from the pickup out to set a trap. I mean, it's they're they're heavy. It's bulky. It's 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 time consuming, and then there's really, you know, in the, in the back of your mind, there's really no fur in that area of the of Washington that's worth anything. Yeah, that yeah, right. Yeah, the cats aren't even I mean, worth a lot. Out there. Yeah, I mean they're you know they're they're ten or twenty dollar ten or twenty dollar cats you know two or three dollar coons and and it's and the only thing you know muskrat trapping the only really way you can muskrat trap is it's colony traps and beaver trapping is just obscenely complicating there. Um, so like I said, I just I got out of it and then um, with the company the company I work for had a job opening in in Wyoming. And I'm like, I kind of talked to the wife a little bit, and I'm like, wow, that's that might be that might be the place, right? You know. So we talked about it for a while, and I applied for the job and got it. Check the traffic and, regulations um, there. <laughs> um, it's the exact opposite of Washington. I've got <laughs> one trapping. I've got one non-snare trapping regulation in the state of Wyoming. Is, is if you set a cone bear, it's ten inches by ten inches or bigger. It has to be in the water. That's the only it's the only trapping regulation that we have for traps. There's no there's no jaw spread requirements. It's got to be tagged and everything else. You know, normal normal laws. And then we've got a real liberal check law too, which is nice when you're working. You can work around it. Yeah, you got three days for footholds and seven <clears throat> seven for body grips, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. And then and then it's it's a seven day period as well. So you kind of get it's, okay. it's complicating yeah. at first. So you. When you set your trap, that's your first day. So you get seven days on that check. That that first day of setting, that's your check. And then you get a seven-day period after that. that you, you have to check that trap within that next seven days for your kill traps. So you can set a pretty extensive snare line, and, and you really you, you can let it set for 10 or 12 days and let it set good, cold, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, where you're not getting any interference with it. And that's... And it's really easy to work around that. Um, but, you know, we, we started we started trapping this year, and, and, and a lot of regulations that, there's, you know, a lot of folks don't realize, I moved here October 1st. Well, I'm not a resident in the state of Wyoming. It takes a year yeah. before I become a resident, so I have to buy a non-resident permit. And that, that kind of takes some time. you got to make sure you know how to do that right. Um, so technically my residency is in Washington. So I have to, you know, Wyoming and, and Wyoming has reciprocity where you can trap. If, if you're allowed to trap it in your home state, then oh, we're okay. allowed to trap it goes here. by species there. Yes. By species, not by trap type. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so the nice thing is, is we were, you know, there's a pine Martin trapping season in, in Washington. Yeah, so oh, there, I don't good. have any regulations. I can, I can Martin trap here, which love to that's my next goal so are you near the mountains in wyoming i i am yeah i'm i'm right um i set right right on the northeast side of the wind river mountain range nice nice and so i'm that's kind of a next year goal is to get a get a small pine martin get a small martin line out just to just to experience it it's just it's just a goal to kind of knock every species off the list i think sure and 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 learn you know just I think every species you learn something about each one. 
but um, so so this year I, I, I have zero traps. <laughs> like I have. What'd you do with your cages? I, have, like, I sold them. I sold them when I moved. I yep. sold them when I moved because they were so freaking big. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't take up so much space to move them. And then in Washington, they were worth a lot. Yeah. Because they were good Comstock traps, so they were they were easy to sell. Sure. Um. So, and I'm like, well, here I'm like, I don't. I just got done moving. I don't have very much money. And then the property that we own, every, half of Wyoming is public land, yep. and the property that we own is right next to you know, 11 or 12,000 acres of, of, uh, hunting habitat. It's, it's, it's a uh, game and wildlife habitat. So, but it's public land. And I'm like, I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to get into expensive traps and have them stolen. I always, you know, just fret and stew about somebody stealing traps. And, and, um, there's a guy from Ohio, um, his name's Glenn Witchie. He owns uh, wolf Creek products and, and he manufactures, um, manufacturers old north he took the old northwoods designs and, and built his new traps around those northwoods designs and i've always had ever since i was a little kid i've always ran northwoods one and a half so i kind of went to him and and um and got traps from him mainly because they're cheap yeah um and if they got stolen it's like you know if you're trapping public land the old rule was well you always trap duke <laughs> right yeah um, so I went with, um, I went with these traps from, from Glenn and, and, and they're, and they're, they're a great trap and, and, but when you start with nothing, you all, there's, there's 10 things that you forget that you don't have and you only realize that you don't have them the day that you need them. Sure. So I didn't have any bait. I didn't have any lures. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have any traps. I didn't have any stakes and, and so when I was looking at when I was looking at stakes, I, I used to be a rebar stake guy, and I'm like, everybody's using wolf fangs, so I'll try these out. I hate cables, like the cable stakes. I really don't like them because unless you bury them all the way, they're always sticking up out of the ground, and you're sure. always kind of fighting them in a trap bed. So I went with chain the I went with the wolf fang chain stakes, which which I absolutely love the chains on stakes. It's, mm-hmm. All, all next year, all my all my stakes will be on a chain. It's so simple. If you set it nine inches, or if you set it a foot or two feet deep, it's a perfect setup. It's just got a longer chain on it, and and it's super easy to work with. But um, I didn't get I didn't get any of the fur handling stuff back. I, I didn't. I, I still have some knives. I had an old flesh knife. I kind of had a makeshift beam, but I didn't have any of the supplies to do it the right way. Any of the right knives just a few boards and but I wasn't there's a local buyer here I wasn't planning on I was just planning on selling on the carcass this year well of course NAFA goes belly up and everybody gets leery about yeah nobody <laughs> wants to buy fur all of a sudden yeah yeah well and especially on the carcass because you're then you're doing all the work too so you're like oh, I'm gonna give you money and then I'm gonna do all the work and then take the danger right yeah. so um so coon which you know I'm a coon trapper I'm always gonna trap coon um, are kind of hard to get rid of on the carcass. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, just like right in the middle of the season, I guess I'm going to be have to put up first because nobody's wanting to buy on the carcass coon around me day in and day out. And it's, it wasn't cold enough to just let them freeze. I don't have a freezer. So I just start putting up furs and, and um, just remember the struggle of 
there's not, nothing I'm worse not terribly... than putting up furs with bad equipment. There's nothing worse. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a, you know, I've got a, a, a $15 weeby skin and knife or a flesh and flesh and knife that, you know, was something that I could afford a flesh and beam that I carved out of a maple out of a, out of a stick of maple that I had around. That's horribly not the correct shape. And then no, no skin and knives. Just, I just had like a couple of field knives <laughs> that I started with. And it's, you know, it's just a struggle. And you, in the back of your mind, you think, well, man, all I had to do was just not spend a hundred dollars on traps, <laughs> cut back a hundred bucks on traps. And I could have got the right gear to be set up right, you know, but I didn't, you know, and that's the kind of the bucket we're in right now. And that's, that's where we're sitting right now. We're, I mean, we're, if we catch a coon, if every coon that we've, got this year almost every single one of them is a 4x and they're just huge beautiful bird i've never seen i've never 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 had an average of huge coon the way that we're getting them this year really but um but yeah you know where i've got i've got six coon boards and six muskrat boards and that's that's <laughs> and, a, and a couple of homemade mink boards i made made some mink boards up because i caught a mink but we're we're kind of catching everything, you know, just as usual. I got three skunks, all off this, all off the same set, and yeah. So we're we're kind of still haven't. We'll, we'll we won't talk coyote trapping too much. I've got coyote sets out, but I haven't caught one yet. <laughs> not not much to talk about yet. No, no. I just you know I like I said I'm a tinkerer, and I think. You know, I'm a tinker trapper, and I think that is kind of conducive to not not the most successful coyote trapper in the world. Because um, I like to, I think mean, I think I've probably got eight or ten traps out right now, and I've got eight or ten different types of sets. You know, oh, this is a this is, I got a compass set, and I've got a carcass set, and I've got this set and that set, and you know, I'm experimenting with them all. I'm kind of always experimenting. I don't. I, I think I think there's a probably a more tried and true method out there that I, I need to step away from my comfort zone to, to be more successful at it. Now, most importantly, are you on coyotes? I am. No, I am. Absolutely. Good. Um, I, I am, I'm on coyotes and I'm on Fox really good, but just, I think bad luck and then poor decisions on my part. So when I, when I come out and I start checking out the ground out here, it's really sandy soil, really sandy, really dry. I'm like, I don't even need to worry about wax dirt. This sand's so dry, it can freeze, <laughs> yeah. and it's still good. Well, yesterday I, yesterday I go out, and I'm walking my line, and I'm checking it, and I've got two sets on a dirt hole. I've got two uh, two traps set up on a dirt hole. It's an open field set, so I've got two traps kind of set at a 45-degree angle, and i got a paw print right in the dead center of the pan on both of them. Oh, man both of them traps and it just makes your skin crawl like i just you yep. feel so defeated and i'm like all right let's go to the barn we're making wax dirt thanksgiving <laughs> day what do i spend half of thanksgiving doing is making wax dirt <laughs> like i'm i've never made it before i'm calling up you know because everybody I, I used to be a peat moss guy but now everybody's into wax dirt it's the greatest thing in the world right so yeah. um i'm uh taking my my trap wax bucket and and uh, melting the wax down and pouring it into dirt and mixing up wax dirt and <laughs> learning how to do that on the fly right in the middle of the season and then i'm out there digging up sets and rebuilding them thanksgiving day yeah um, so did you you must have got some moisture there 
Yeah, so I've, I've got, we've got three or four inches of snow right now. Okay, so the snow is melting a little bit and then kind of freezing uh, in yep, the Yep, we had some, yep, freeze-thaw, 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 and, and that just gets you every time, and you know better. Yep. And you, don't, uh, you, you think you, know, you can you get away better. with it, and you never can, in my experience. Anyway. No. <laughs> yep, it, it's just it's just an absolute never-fail, and and um, so so now, just like everything else in the middle of the season, I'm kind of fighting and stewing to get so i got all my sets i got out i got a i got a remake and i'm I'm getting ready to pull my coon line all together and and um get my coyote line out and i don't really have very many coyote traps out really big heavy pheasant hunting area and pheasant season's over december 1st okay so i don't i don't have a lot of coyote traps out because of everybody out hunting hunting pheasants with dogs and stuff and and, you know we don't want to try to try to work around our fellow hunters as much as we can it's frustrating driving around looking at dog proofs and you got coyote tracks everywhere yeah i bet but um but we'll you know we're, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into the dogs and we're gonna figure it out we'll, we'll put we'll put a few of them up this year you got a pretty long season um, there huh yeah we start so season opens october 1st and goes clear goes clear through the spring and so season opens early enough here that you got to watch out if you're like a crazy coon trapper like me. You want to start, you know, throw a coon trap out right away. Well, October first, they're worthless. Yeah, they're blue. They're you can't do nothing with them. So most, you know, so you got to sit around and wait, sit around and wait, and then uh, you know I'll put a I put a couple small experimental sets out, and you catch a coon, and I'm like, all right, I'll check this one here. Nope, it's still blue. We'll wait two more weeks, and then. Um, and we've we've got um we're doing pretty good we don't we're not putting up a ton of numbers but like i said i've i've got i've got a dozen 4x coon put up that are just i mean they're the biggest they'd be 6x's if we still went off the nafa size <laughs> so you must have some uh some water nearby then that where you're getting those coons yep yeah there's um we've got so the, there's a lake about 2 miles away from us and then Wyoming is um this area of Wyoming is just ran with uh, irrigation ditches everywhere. It's, sure. it's all gravity irrigation. And so there's these ditches are, are dug on everybody's property. And it's just a, it's, it's the interstate. It's a super highway of animals around here. Yep. Um, everything, everything runs those drainage ditches and, and they dry them up. Certain ones, they dry up at the end of the season and then certain ones maintain the flow just to keep the water levels right and stuff like that. And, um, and those, that's just where, that's everything congregates around there. And, and it's a real, it's a real good, it's pretty easy to find yourself near water in this area of Wyoming good. anyways. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be, there's always going to be a water source around. So you don't, it's in my area, it's not a, it's not a struggle to find that because usually you'll find good ground and then you'll be like, oh, I'm seven miles from the nearest waterway. This is pretty worthless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, have you, how about cats? You got any bobcats, any bobcat sign there? I do. I, I have, um, I have found the most miraculous, beautiful bobcat, natural bobcat cubby in the world, right in the middle of the tall pheasant grass. And I, I had, um, I said it, so this is kind of a funny story. I said it thinking, you know, this is the only this is the only number two trap I have set on the ground in 12,000 acres of, of hunting habitat. 
because I found this bobcat cubby and, and I'm going to set inside, the, I'm going to do a food set inside the cubby so I shouldn't have a problem with hunting dogs, you know, You're with somebody out with their, with, <laughs> with, their, with their lab. I shouldn't have a problem. There's no reason that they should be over here, right? I'm completely secluded. I'm working, I'm trying to work around all these hunters and, and, you know, I talk to them out there. We talk to them out there and some of them that don't know nothing about trapping ask why I got these dog proofs with golf balls. What are the golf balls for, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but I, uh, I didn't catch anything in the, in the cubby, but I had a note. Somebody left me a note one day and said, Hey, you know, this is an excellent set you got here. You might want to wait a few days for pheasant season to be over with. So you don't catch a dog, you know? And I'm like, all right, I, I know it's the wrong thing. You know, so I set the trap off and I'm, I'm, you know, now I've just got to wait. Yeah. Do you think it was a, a a hunter or another trapper or? Um. So it, it probably almost have to be somebody that knew something about traps because it was a good set. You couldn't. You would have never known it was there. Yeah. And then there's no way, and you would have known that there was a trap there. So there's another trapper that's seen it. Yeah. Um. That's seen it, and and you 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 know you can take it for a graceful note, or you can take it for kind of the jerk. You know the first notion is I get jerk I got every right to be here just like you do you know and then you're like yeah but I, I don't you know if somebody else noticed it there's a reason you know yeah, yeah. I'm like ah better better wait so we, we do we've got some good bobcat out here nice. um and good and good bobcat signing areas I don't have a ton of sign in my little area but there's so much public land out here I mean it's it's kind of hard to grasp for especially when you're used to trapping out east like in Ohio, we'd get permission to trap somebody's got a hundred acres. Yeah, you got permission to trap there. Well, I've got twelve thousand acres next to my house, and two miles away, I've got eighty-seven thousand acres. That's public. It's free. Sure. <laughs> and and it's eighty-seven out acre, eighty-seven thousand acres that you can get lost in and and not find your way for days. You know. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a jaw. That's that's a it's hard to grasp that much space or area of freedom really. And, and it's, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty cool in the same, in the same light. You just want to kind of want to explore more and more and figure out well, how can I get out there and get to that part. Of it. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, have you, I think, I think Tom Krause is in that area. Um, he's a, you probably want to look him up from, uh, talk Martin trapping cause he's, he's, uh, one heck of a Martin rapper. I, I, so I've, I've emailed back and forth with Tom a little bit when I first, uh, when we first moved here, I'm like, well, I need to, I kind of need to find out what's going on with the area. And, um, so Tom Krause, he's a, he's a member of the Wyoming Trappers Association and then, uh, Phil Fisher's the president. Um, so I emailed both of them and Tom's, I've exchanged emails with Tom a few times. And then Phil, he's, he's the, he's kind of a local fur buyer here too. And he's getting okay. inundated with coyotes right now. <laughs> um, but he's the president of the Wyoming Trappers Association. I've talked to both of them and then I brought up on Trapper Man. I'm like, Hey, I need to get some information on, on, uh, Martin Trapping in Wyoming. And everybody's like, well, you need to talk to Tom Krause. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I know Tom. I'm, I suppose I'll just get a hold of him then. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't, I haven't talked Martin Trapping with him yet, but I guess he's got a, a really good video out. Yes, he does. I wanna, yeah. If I want to, if I want to learn something about Martin Trapping in Wyoming, I might as well learn it from him. Uh, well, it, that's the, kind of the notion. 
the beauty of it is you'll see the habitat that he's trapping in and you'll know exactly, you know, you're in that area. So it's, it's all the same. You'll know what to look for types of trees and drainages and stuff like that. Yeah. And and he, you know, and he lives, he's probably 30, 40 miles away from me, you know, so, and, and, and historically, historically trappers, especially involved trappers are, are so easy to communicate with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, uh, that's, that's just kind of, that's just the Pine Martin thing. I, I've always, you know, you watch, you see a lot of it on TV with the, with stuff going on in Alaska, you know, all the shows going on in Alaska and stuff. And you're like, ah, I've got a chance to do that. I'm going to get out there and do it. You know, I, yeah. I mean, next year we'll probably have a half a dozen or a dozen, um, dozen boxes that will get set out and run a couple, run a couple week line and, it, you know, it'll be, it'll probably be an hour drive to, yeah. to get to a get line to the and then it's, yeah. you know, and then we'll have to have, you know, we'll have, to, we'll have to get a snow machine and stuff so we can get up there because there's just too much snow up there to, sure. to deal with it or, or snowshoe in and I'm, I'm not, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you'll, you'll be tackling some Martin next year. Um, what else is, what else is on the horizon for you as a Wyoming trapper? Well, I'd like to say that I, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just continue to bludgeon myself to death with these canines, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna get it figured out. That's really, that's really just one of those goals, you know. Um, well, we're we're gonna get it figured out, and we're gonna we're gonna put some numbers up. It's just something I've I've only target, you know, I've only targeted like when I was a kid. You we, you didn't coyote trap like they weren't worth nothing. Only wanted one. You'd, you'd go Kyle hunting right. just for the fun of it, but um, you know, I'd, so I so I just never, and it's something that I never got into. So now I'm just trying to trying to fight myself out of a coon trapper's mentality into a into a different um, different mindset altogether, and, and we'll get it figured out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Pine Martin, and then I I, I really enjoy water trapping. I'll, I'll get into probably not this year too much, but I'd I'd like to put a mess of muskrat up. They're a lot of fun to catch. Yeah. Do you have them? Are do you see see sign in the ditches around there? Yeah, I do, and I was really pumped about doing a bunch of ditch trapping for for uh, for muskrat, and all the ditches that I had signed that marked out and stuff like that dried up. Got all got drained. <laughs> they all got drained before before I got my license and it because it took it it took once I coughed up the money. And that took a little while. It probably we were here for probably three weeks before we started trapping, and uh, so I got to do a lot of scouting and stuff like that. And then, kind of right before I got my license, is when they started draining all the draining all the secondary ditches and stuff like that. And it kind of broke my heart. But, um, <laughs> but there's there's so much public ground. I've got I've got a this, this one area like eighty seven thousand acres. There's a big way that feeds through that whole thing and there's some pond set up on it that's got a lot of muskrat sign and stuff like nice. that and we'll, we'll get out there and we'll get into we'll get into muskrat but kind of one one step at a time you can only budget wise you can only spend so much money every year oh absolutely um, one of the things with those ditches that i think you'll find over time as you spend a few years there is that there are certain ditches where where the guys on the lower end of the ditch keep cattle uh, every winter they'll keep their stock in the same area and they'll keep that ditch open for stock water. 
So, yeah. so you'll probably find there's certain ditches that will stay open every year and there's certain ditches that will be dried every year. And once you learn that, I imagine that a lot of the rats will move into those ditches that, that have water in them year round. And you'll probably, it'll probably be good places to target. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's just things like that or, you know, things that I need to learn. And what I, what I think used to be muskrat sign is something that I can't find out here, you know, like the open marsh areas with the huts and stuff like that that I would look for. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that I find the lake. You go to the, you go to the cattails and stuff out here and they're, they're so thick. You can't even walk through them. Yeah. And there's no water there. And, and it's just right next to the lake, you know, and they all feed off the lake. So it's just different habitat yeah. to learn about. Yeah. I, I don't remember seeing much, many huts at all out there. Uh, when I was out in Montana, um, very, very few muskrat huts. Yeah, and that's what surprised me. I just, you know, that was something I was comfortable with finding that animal just by hunting, you know, just by trapping off of hut, hut and swamp property. And I just, every time I find a marshland on a map and on Google and go out there and look at it and I just walk around, I'm like, well, there ain't nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's part of the learn. That's part of that learning process. And I think it, you know, I think all in all, it, it makes you, it makes you better when you got to work for it to learn to figure it out I think it makes you better instead of just stumbling on it when you stumble on it it just seems like it was partially luck and you don't seem to learn very much from luck yeah absolutely yeah it's uh it's a good attitude to have is just just always keeping an open mind and and uh you don't need to learn it all the first year but every year you learn just a little bit more and a little more and uh eventually you look back and wow I'm you know I'm quite a ways from where I started (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, well, Mike, any anything else? Uh, anything else we want to chat about? No, I don't. Um, I don't. Not not nothing right now. Maybe maybe a conversation or two that we'll have later. We'll talk. We'll talk lure making and experimenting with. But that's just something that I'm reading about right now. Oh, it's another dangerous thing to get into. You you'll you won't yeah. be able to find your way out of it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, that's that's why I said we'll avoid the conversation. Yes, yeah, I'd spend you spend your money on traps for now. <laughs> 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 well, hey, uh, I really appreciate uh, talking with you, and and thanks for agreeing to to come on the podcast. And and uh, I know a lot of people will enjoy it because we're a lot of us are a lot of a lot of people are in, kind of in the same position, and and it's encouraging. It's encouraging to hear that you you uh, got away from trapping for a long time and got back into it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's great. I, I tell you what, I um we we have a blast every day doing it right now. Yeah. All right, well, thanks again, and uh, we will we'll catch you later. All right, talk to you later, Jeremiah. All right, take care. Yep, come back.